I'm April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. We're a podcast that looks at the latest in pop culture, including film, TV and music, as well as dissecting some very special topics of our own choosing. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. We're on Instagram at The Thirst Pod. We're on soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst. And we're also on Spotify and a bunch of other podcast providers. You just have to search for us for The Thirst there. You can also email us if you would like to with thethirstpod at gmail.com and there's also our blog where we share links and other things that we've mentioned in the episode and that is the thirstpod.wordpress.com this is episode 42 i've i've stopped doing the puns now because my energy levels have depleted significantly (laughs) is this just like a a lockdown a lockdown sort of laziness just like yeah it's my vibe now yeah that's totally fine um turns out there's actually quite a few 42s in pop culture but i don't care about Coldplay and there are a bunch of other ones that are also boring so i won't list those sure. um they were really boring there was one about hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which is i don't know fine uh mm, and sure. apparently in star wars the rise of skywalker the festival of the ancestors on planet pasana is held every 42 years is that the weird colorful coachella i think or so Birmingham? yeah yeah the coachella yeah. of star wars sure called planet pasana not pasata cool. I was, you've just made me very hungry by saying Passata. I'm going to have some, yeah, we're using Passata later. Anyway, very exciting. And uh, more exciting is celebrities who are 42. Go on. Got quite a list. Uh, Thomas Edward Hardy. Love a bit of Tom Hardy. Yes, he's 42. That guy. So he's looking good for 42, isn't he? Uh, Another person who looks good for 42, Liv Tyler. She 42? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? Just on the topic of Liv Tyler, the other day I did have this like strange period of time where i just was like lurking a bunch of different people on instagram yeah and Liv tyler was one of them just because i was wondering what she was doing what was so. she up to was she doing much uh, well she, she lives home? in the she lives in the uk apparently no she which I didn't doesn't realize. yeah she, she does that um wow. she's married to this is so boring she's married to someone that is either david beckham's business manager or like close personal friend to david beckham so, so. she hangs out with david beckham quite a lot in my brain, she does. Yeah, I don't oh, know if that's true. That's a no. Nah, they must. They must have dinner, and st- I can't imagine her having any same kind of conversation s- with Victoria Beckham. But go on then. No, same social circle. Yeah, but. interesting. Hmm. Go Trivia. on. Anyone uh, else? Kanye West. Gr- sure. S- Sarah Michelle Gellar. She forty two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, my favourite Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. Is he forty two? Yeah. Christ, maybe. Okay. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. My, my sister in law. Yes, Jonathan Rhys Meyers. <laughs> Looks sure. worse, to be honest, at this Looks point. Haggard. And ludicrous. <laughs> Luda. Luda. Uh, happy 42 years of age to all those people. Congrats to you all. So this is our second episode of being in lockdown and doing it from a distance. <laughs> it is. Thanks thanks to everyone who listened last time. When I listened back and did the editing on the episode, it sounded like we were in the same room. So oh, truly... Well done, us. Is it the, makes no difference. Is it the volume of our voices? Uh, yeah, the volume of our voices. It just carries across the distance. It is weird not recording with you in person. It's completely weird. It's it's not quite... I mean, it's a very nice thing to do. Um, it's a nice distraction. Although I think mm. we've both found that actually we were like, cool, we'll do this so much more. And then, funnily enough, being in lockdown actually takes a lot out of you and makes just anything a lot harder. So, uh, <laughs> just... Yeah, been a bit of a challenge. Having just a real lack of energy and motivation across the board. And also yeah. when you're a pop culture podcast that essentially revolves around like TV, cinema, like news and everything. And nothing's um, happening. 
nothing has really happened. So, like. Nothing much to talk about. Uh, no. Yeah, and every time we went to do a podcast episode, either I had a really bad day or you did. And it's just been like that for a couple of weeks now. So I'm really glad we finally got to it. Yeah, and it does feel like there was a period where we kept saying we should record an episode and then we would think about what we would include and there was like literally nothing. Literally and then nothing. over the last week to 10 days possibly longer there's been like actual just content a, just just content actual loving it sweet content i've missed it shall we begin with some of the content that yes has been... shall we yes this first piece is basically a compilation uh it's not really news but greatest it, hits. it is is a greatest hits package of celebrities who are going insane in quarantine there's been a lot of instagram live interviews lots of celebrities have discovered tiktok there's just people have just gone a bit weird haven't they it's really funny when celebrities generally have to suddenly like be out of the public eye in a in a kind of i don't know more professional way. professional yeah. capacity professional capacity and they're all just suddenly stuck at home like questioning their relevance and usefulness and i None think i'd said- be trusted no, not at all. And I think I'd said to you one of the things, like as as we go through the list of things that we will discuss, I think by the end of all of this, I'm just going to have like little to no respect for any famous person ever. No, there's they're they're all having extreme problems here. If you think we're not coping well as like regular people, these people are seriously not coping well. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed that the majority of them, the ones that are acting severely unhinged, are men. Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah, they're just not stepping Speak- up to the plate yet. They're just not handling it. Speaks volumes, doesn't it? It really does. So, I mean, earlier on, some of these are quite charming, actually, I have to say. Some of these aren't weird. Some of these are quite nice. Justin Threw had dinner with his dog. So that was quite nice. I do love nice. his dog. Oh, so good. Kuma. Is it Kuma? Yes. It is so Kuma. He posted on Instagram a nice picture of him and Kuma all dressed up, having dinner. The caption reads, day 97. We had a fight today, but worked through it. Oh, and dinner was spaghetti with pesto, baby tomatoes, salad. Sounds lovely. Kuma is wearing a bow tie and tux bib. I just really... Justin Theroux is like the epitome of man who loves his dog a lot. Like, I think that about Chris Evans often, in that, like, he's just obsessed with his dog in a way that's really endearing, but, like, I don't know. There's just something quite funny about it. this is quite charming, but do you remember the time he had that very weird public funeral for his dog and posted pictures of his dead dog on Instagram? (sighs) Yeah, that was weird. Less, less charming. This doesn't surprise me, though, because Justin Theroux is just slightly of anyway. Yeah, he is. That's what makes him so sexy. Yeah, of course. Busy Phillips, what's she been doing? I am a great uh, consumer of Busy Phillips's social media content anyway. Oh, she's anyway, TikTok. And has been for a very, very long time. I know that she's not to everyone's taste, and there are many people that find her insufferable. Um, but Don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. I just love her a great deal. So... There was over the Easter weekend. Busy Phillips, if you if you don't follow her on Instagram or know anything about her, um, she has a real tendency to like just Instagram story the shit out of everything. She just Instagrams her whole life, doesn't just, she? Like across the board in a way that like is very delightful. Mm. Um, she's, I just think she's great. But so she does have a tendency to like every aspect of her day is is on Instagram stories, which is fine when she's out and about, but it's become quite heightened during this period of lockdown. It's manic. I would say, I would use the word manic. Yeah, it's a bit like, if she was a friend of yours, you'd be going like, are you okay? Should you maybe put your phone down for a few hours? Yes. However, that said, over Easter weekend, there was a great sequence of stories, which I sent to you because I was like, Mm. I can't believe this is happening. She spied a possum in her backyard and then thought it was giving birth. So she was like Instagramming 
every aspect of this so there was the possum on on the fence and then like she was like oh my god it's giving birth it's giving birth and then the, the most endearing part of this was a follow-up story in which she <laughs> then discovered that the the possum wasn't in fact giving birth it's just that it had its babies in its possum it had its pouch little, in its little possum pouch in its possum pouch which then meant that i had to spend a great deal of time googling what possum googling pouches are and what they look and like possums generally there's been a lot of possum content for us i feel over the past few weeks but this was this was nice um it was it, uh, possums are kind of i mean i'm a great lover of most small furry animals as you know <laughs> yeah but possums are there's something about it. It might be the teeth. I don't understand. Creepy. I don't understand how something can be so cute and also so horrifying at the same they time. They are quite gross. Um, I'm glad we don't have them. No, I mean the best thing about this for me was that there was a, a few years ago. Um, there was this family of like raccoons that kept visiting her garden and like, oh, yes. one of her balconies, and she kept like doing like random updates about this so it was like going back to the days of yore where the raccoons were frequenting her garden but i mean i personally recommend that everyone googles what a possum pouch is because it's horrifying <laughs> lovely piece of trivia there for yeah uh, that's great when, when you haven't got anything else to do at home we've all got time so right exactly next one uh, i'm gonna hand this one over to you as well because it's probably the most important one of the bunch yeah this should have been off off the top really because it's the thing yeah. that's occupied my brain for a while so yeah um, so 2nd of April, Tom Holland, a.k.a. Spider-Man, did a challenge where he put a shirt on whilst he was doing a handstand. So he's yeah. sort of up against this wall. He's doing a handstand, T-shirt on the floor, and he's trying to put it on. It, it's just the handstand challenge. It then became known as um, after he did this. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there are just a number of like challenges that are happening across the board on Instagram, which is yes. driving me mad at this stage. I've but. blocked them all out. I Literally, this is the only one I care for. And it's yeah. because it involves nudity. Yeah, 100%. So Tom Holland then nominated several people, including my the love of my life, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland, as we have discussed, have had this sort of very strange friendship. By strange, you mean sexy. Yeah, 100%. So Tom nominated Jake Gyllenhaal, and I said to you, the minute that I saw Jake's name was tagged on this post, I texted you and I said, like, he won't do this because... No, we were both agreed that. I was we like, he'll like, never do this. no way he's going to do... He's not going to film him. I mean, the guy barely does social media anyway. He's not going to film himself, like, half naked up against a wall trying to put a T-shirt on. But the thing is, he surprised us all. And the following day, he acquiesced and delivered the goods and... And it was seamless. It's just... I cannot have, I cannot have wished for like anything better. It's just... You know when you think about it in your head, you think like, oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? And then it happens and you're like, holy shit, this has surpassed all of my expectations. It truly did. It made Tom Holland look like a rookie as well. Like, he yeah. was struggling. Jake was just like, oh, this old thing. The best part about it is that, like, Jake looks so smug in it. Like, he absolutely knows that this is going to, like, send the internet into an overdrive, and it did. He's got, like, his hair tied back because he's got very long hair at the moment, as we have discussed. He's wearing some delightful yoga pants, and he's wearing a tie-dye Russ and Daughters shirt, which is a very famous deli in New York, and it's just a delight. And the thing I enjoyed about it the most, of the many things I enjoyed about it, is that when... <laughs> Of the actual, like, so he, it was like a sequence of videos and then at the end he, like, nominates other people, including his sister. But he's turned the sound off for, like, the video where he's actually doing the handstand. Do you think he's making some, like, extreme groaning noises? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, like, partly 
devastated that he turned the sound off, but also like very pleased that there is no audio on it because I think it actually would have put me into an early grave. I think you'd be catatonic. It would be a yeah. I think it would be a problem. But, it was bad uh, enough when it happened, and like every single person under the sun sent it to me. Like I didn't already have April. Would you have, by any chance, not seen this? Yeah, I mean, I have notifications turned on for when he posts on Instagram. Sorry. Imagine Jake explaining to you. It's it's hard when people do that. Right? It's it's very endearing because it's nice to be thought of when someone sees some Jake Gyllenhaal content, but it is also just a bit like, guys, come on. like. Yeah, I mean, breaking news. I just don't think... I don't know, funny memes, historic images, nice throwbacks, fine. But like breaking news, I, I think you've probably seen it. That's... It's quite. It's a bit like when I send you Timmy content thinking like, oh, maybe she's not seen it. And you're like, yes, I saw this three hours ago. So. Literally the second it went up because my notifications went ding. Yeah, and, it's fine. Because uh, we're all weird enough to have notifications yeah. on for this stuff. Anyway, this was a complete delight. And I'm really glad that he did this. He surprised us. It's just burnt into my brain now to be replayed forevermore. I think that wins the crown for the best quarantine content so far. Yeah, I don't want any more after this. That's just it. Well, unfortunately for you, we've still got the rest <laughs> of the list. Uh, we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, who keeps having dinner with his pony whiskey and his donkey Lulu. Is his donkey called Lulu? I don't think I knew Lulu, that. Lulu the donkey. Um, less said about that, the better, really. I'm not, I, I didn't even know that this was the thing. It's, it's really funny to look at because he is obviously so large and then this donkey is like very tiny. <laughs> tiny little donkey called Lulu. I love that these were the pets that he went for and that they go into his house. Great. It doesn't really surprise me that he's the sort of person that like lets a small horse just wander around his house. So I bet they do just wander around free range, don't they? Yeah, of course. Free range horsey pony donkeys. Why wouldn't they? Just live. Maybe they've got like special stairs to... Anyway... The special stairs to go upstairs, um, like a donkey escalator. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is the horrible Gal Gadot video, which is quite horrible. If anyone hasn't seen it, maybe just don't watch it. But we I had to, about I it. had to watch it in order to talk about I it know. for this podcast because I'd been avoiding it like the plague. It's truly awful. For those that don't know, Gal Gadot of wonder woman fame recruited a bunch of famous people who are living it up in their luxury homes to sing parts of john lennon's imagine in what must be the most misguided let's all we're in this together quarantine video ever i think it was just the caption that did me in the most what was the caption it was um so it's a video and she begins it by saying we or the, the oh, God, caption yes, itself the says intro. we are in this together we'll no. get through it together let's imagine together sing no. with us no. and then everyone starts singing it's just a sequence of people many of whom can't sing there's no music either no no music very weird just weirdly spliced together so you've got jamie dornan you've got mark ruffalo who i expected more from there are multiple people in this video that i expected so much more of yeah i disappointed will ferrell did not expect more so that's fine (laughs) kristen wig james marsden uh zoe kravitz what the fuck were you thinking should know better Natalie Portman, who cannot sing at no. all. Amy Adams, Pedro Pascal. There's many, many, many others. My favourite pe- thing about this list of people was like trying to work out the connections because I don't, because there are a lot of them. So there's obviously like Kristen Wiig, for example, yeah. is in the new Wonder Woman. So that makes sense. And then Kristen Wiig was in Bridesmaids with Chris O'Dowd and Maya Rudolph. So that's the connection. This happened only on day six as well. So I don't feel like we were at the stage where this sort of thing was like excusable. We should have known things weren't going to improve rapidly when that happened, oh, really. Truly. 
bad bad times other things uh there's been a whole trend of men shaving their heads and their beards because they don't think they'll get a haircut for a while army hammer did some weird <laughs> handlebar mustache mohawk thing like i know that everyone has been consumed with tiger king for better or worse but that was just like such an, a pivot that i was so confused by just again content that no one asked for no one needed at all Kira knightley playing on her teeth that's another thing we didn't need yeah um there were some nice ones john krasinski do you want to take us through that yes so john krasinski i don't think we've ever talked about john krasinski on the podcast before have we do we have we not i guess we didn't do a quiet place did we i think you may have mentioned a quiet place um, because you went to see it at the cinema at the time and then i only watched it recently oh yeah um, we watched it together recently yeah and it, it was a fun time and i so full disclosure i have seen some of the u.s office yes it's an enjoyable program do you fancy john krasinski in it no no not at all and so does it have to be only beard yeah 100 percent. john krasinski i hate the phrase glow up because it's just like (laughs) needlessly patronizing however john krasinski's glow up has just been a delight to view because he he he's like incredibly handsome and has got a very nice beard anyway at the end of march john krasinski launched sgn which is some good news which is a video series which seeks to give good news amongst all of the bad in the first video he told viewers that it was a kind of a follow-up to his tweet that he'd done which was asking people to send in stories that had made you feel good this week or the things that had made you smile so this was very much back at the beginning Mm. of the uh the lockdown down period so the first episode had steve carell guest starring to coincide with the 15th uh, year anniversary of the u.s office the second episode for which i cried my eyes out to oh was a zoom performance by the cast of hamilton uh which john and his wife emily blunt had arranged for a young viewer whose trip to see the show had been cancelled because of covid19 the little girl it was quite funny the little girl says that she had watched mary poppins returns because she couldn't go and see hamilton because uh lin-manuel miranda who does hamilton is in mary poppins blah blah anyway it was a delight made me cry episode three they surprised some healthcare workers and then there are after john took to youtube live on friday night so last week to host a virtual prom after he'd seen some tweets from high school students who were kind of sad to be missing their 2020 prom it was honestly the cutest thing uh he also joined tiktok to generate hype lots of people joining tiktok as you mentioned yeah i refuse mm. absolutely i i get off. i get all of my tiktok content on twitter so exactly fine. But during the 30-minute party, he was joined by uh, his office colleague, Rain Wilson, as well as Chance the Rapper, the Jonas Brothers and Billie Eilish. I think at the time that I put this bit together, it said that nearly a quarter of a million people watched. And I did also see lots of kind of tweets and Instagrams of people that had dressed up for the occasion, which I thought Mm. was really sweet because it must be kind of shitty to be missing out on like major life things like that obviously like prom to a lot of people is a big deal so it's don't worry guys because looking back on prom is not a nice thing no so you'll you'll be glad you missed it (laughs) yeah i just thought it was really cute and actually like the i was really skeptical about the some good news thing initially because i just thought it was absolutely cringe but it has been very very lovely and i also just it just has like truly endeared john krasinski to me even further yeah he's done quite well hasn't he it's been a very nice thing there's also been a few older gents who've been using social media to sort of just shows how batshit they are but also it's been quite nice anthony hopkins has been really good oh yeah i've enjoyed those. he's but he's just been living it up on there sam neil's been doing quite a lot have you seen his stuff talking about pigs 
painting portraits, talking to gnomes. Sam Neill's social media output has always been a delight, but it it's just seems much. that he's like come into his own again during this uh, quarantine period. So much. And my favourite is Leslie Jordan. I don't know if you've seen any of the Leslie Jordan oh stuff. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. So anyone who doesn't know Leslie Jordan, uh, he's been in loads of stuff, but he was in Will and Grace and A American Horror Story. They're probably his best known kind of He's a small, bits, small southern gent. Small southern gent just posting really cute but slightly mad crap on Instagram about how he works his rental car and making his bed, watching Tiger King, listening to Tupac. The best one is when he's watching porn whilst he's having breakfast. <laughs> Literally so funny. I've been sending it to Wes and I can hear him listening to it upstairs when I'm downstairs and he's just cackling over it. It's the most, I don't know, it's the most warming content ever and it's they have- also bizarre. They have been, like, very, very delightful. Um, the only other thing I'd like to add on this front is that the fact that um, Judy Dench did a TikTok dance. Oh, yes! Yes, Peggy lost her mind. I think all of the, the Judy Dench content has been a lot for Peggy, who has been on this podcast before. Oh, yeah. Queen of Judy Dench fandom. God bless them. The elders know what they're doing. They do know what they're doing. I just, they really I think, do. in terms of, like, celebrities going slightly off the, I don't know, beaten track somewhat yeah i've i've enjoyed that content a great deal it is it is going to be interesting to see how because i mean a lot of these people obviously like clearly aren't working <laughs> clearly not that they need to but it's like you know it must be very strange for them Twiddling to suddenly be very busy mm-hmm. with lots of different projects and then suddenly be at home like having to do normal things like homeschool their children or like yep. live do like a normal washing. person do their own laundry yeah, do like, their own laundry uh, I don't know, do their own food orders. They probably don't do that. But it'll be interesting to see what happens out of the other side of this. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have many other things that we'll get to talk to in uh, in due course. Another thing that came along just at the right time was our first June exclusive from Vanity Fair. It came out on the 14th of April, but called Behold June, an exclusive look at Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac and more. The piece was written by Anthony Bresnikan. This is our first look at the upcoming adaptation of Frank Herbert's groundbreaking sci-fi saga, June, uh, and it's being directed by Denis Venue. Denis Venue. It's the first of a two-part series of films. Um, We have discussed this before. We are very, very, very excited for it. It truly looks like an epic just from the cast alone, really. So we've got this amazing ensemble cast. It's got Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, uh, Zendaya, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. It just goes on and on forever. Just amazing, amazing cast. And yeah, we're getting our first look here at a lot of these characters in the uh, sort of desert setting. We've got Timothy as Paul. I don't know how you say this. Atrides? Atrides? Who I, I don't even know. I don't know. Having I have Paul, Paul. Yeah, as Paul. Having, having not read the book or listened to the audiobook or anything, we're sort of going into this quite without any real context aren't we um but yeah you've got timothy's yeah. paul uh you've got his mother played by rebecca ferguson you've got uh shots of zendaya as chani javier bardem oscar isaac as paul's father very exciting jason momoa there as well looking very clean shaven and sharon duncan brewster uh we get some context for the novel and what the film's going to be about the novel 
well, the, the whole series of novels have been listed as an inspiration for just about every sci-fi and fantasy epic you can think of. Uh, it's also known very much for its kind of in, impenetrable plot points. Uh, and I lost the threat even trying to read read this article, to be honest. Um, it does sound very, very difficult to adapt when they start talking about, I don't know, all kinds of weird dust stuff. It doesn't seem to make much sense. Also spice. Spice, that's it. Not dust. Spice. Yeah, loads of spice, desert, spice. weird still suits that captured the moisture from your body. Sure. Timothy talks about the sort of intense, uncomfortable conditions for filming in Jordan last summer. These weird still suits. They talked to Denis knew about the, the nature of the plot, which kind of deals with exploitation of the planet's resources and how timely that is at the moment. It's just a very exciting first look, isn't it? It was very, very nice to see. So the the actual, like, the preview, i.e. the first picture of Timmy, I think, came out on the 13th, didn't it? And then the, the following day was the 14th, which actually was the day before my birthday. So it was a very nice present for us both. I feel like in the grand scheme of things, of, of things, films that have been, like, cancelled and stuff coming mm-hmm. up, June was the one that, like, because it is due to come out TBC in yeah. December, it's the one thing that, like, I'm... Pinning all our hopes on. Right. So this this Vanity Fair article was just like such a delight to receive. I I mean, Timmy aside, it sort of goes without saying that we would be losing our mind oh, yeah. over Timmy. But that picture of Oscar Isaac Beardy Oscar Isaac. It's insane. But ooh. I, I love Oscar Isaac and have loved him for a very, very long time. But even I was like truly thrown I by think this picture. That, I mean, to be honest, that's what I saw the most reactions for on social media was just people absolutely losing their minds over this oscar isaac photo i think it's because he's like salt and pepper beard you know hair situation and then also it's the fact that like no offense to oscar isaac but oscar isaac is not a tall man No, they've done very well here haven't they they've managed to make him look really (laughs) tall because i think in the background of that that picture the one that they previewed in vanity fair is josh brolin Um, and josh brolin is quite tall so it's the fact that they've managed to make them look on the same level and also in that wider shot where there's like many characters together how how they've managed to get timmy on the same level as oscar like platform shoes he's got some magic like inbuilt platform shoes (laughs) going on here he's wearing wearing cuban heels (laughs) he basically is i said yeah i'm so looking forward to this we didn't uh see any shots of stellan skarsgård's character the baron vladimir who i think has been was described as a mammoth with merciless merciless appetites and a rhino so i think he's supposed to look pretty wild so i'm kind of looking forward to the the next look at all of that but as you say truly one of the only film events we've got to look forward to this year at the moment everything else is tbc is it happening will it happen what's happening who knows knows? so i feel like this one's far enough in the future that we can still be quite hopeful about it completely do you think that you will read june in the time between now and december (sighs) this has been the back and forth we've been having isn't it Mm. i worry that i'm not going to be able to follow it at all i would like I, I think I would like to try the first book anyway. Um, I have basically promised myself I'm not going to watch the David Lynch adaptation before the book. Um, it's pretty much the only David Lynch film that I haven't seen, but I've kind of put off seeing it because it's got such weird reviews and I don't want to see it before I read the book, really. Um, I don't want it to... Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, but I don't know. It just seems... You said you were going to try the audiobook. Yeah, so the thing is, I am not someone who likes reading sci-fi or fantasy or anything like that. No, whatsoever. I can't imagine um, you I've doing got that. No, 
no i've got like no issue with it it's just it's not my thing so i think the notion that i would ever read the book is just preposterous it's not going to happen so i think that i am going to download however the audiobook because like i said to you it is 21 oh hours my God. 21 that's almost as long as ulysses yeah it's 21 hours but i think that i will take it in more because i'll just mentally pretend it's like a podcast what or if something. they're talking about like spice and land ownership they probably don't yeah, talk but, about I, land I, ownership, but i'm just saying that anyway i mean i sent you a clip i did like an audiobook preview the other day and i sent you a clip of it and Absolute it makes no gobbledygook. sense like it makes no sense whatsoever doesn't make any sense whatsoever don't know what they're saying Maybe we can give it a try. I'm going to give it a whirl, if only because I've got loads of time on my I hands. Know, I know, We probably should give it a try. Maybe we can set up a uh, a book club in which everyone attempts to read June before the film comes out. <laughs> what, and we can just, like, compare how far yeah. we get yeah. before quitting? I got to page 30. I mean, Harbs would be, our friend Harbs would be very um, happy indeed if I managed to get through it because he absolutely loves the June series. He's, like, our expert on the subject um, and he will is. have to talk about it with us at some point. But um, I feel like I should yeah. go to that effort for him, if anything. Watch this space. <laughs> so, moving from news onto what we've been enjoying, we've got two little TV things which are sort of strangely linked in a way. So, we'll start with uh, the return of Killing Eve. So, Killing Eve came back on the 13th of April for its third season. I didn't realise, actually, until I was doing research for this, that they'd had yet another showrunner change. Mm. So, season one, as has been well discussed, was overseen by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And then for the second season, which we didn't like as much as the first, Emerald Fennel stepped in to Great oversee name. the programme. Isn't it a Such delightful a name. name? I think we said that before, but every time I hear it, I'm like, woof, that name. Yeah, even when I was typing it out, I was like, oh, such a good name. Season three, however, is now being overseen by Suzanne uh, Heathcote, who's worked on Fear of the Walking Dead and one of Apple TV's original programming things, which is C, which is the Jason Momoa Everyone is Blind show. Oh, that one. Everyone is blind. Show. <laughs> they are. That's the, that is the premise of the programme. That is the plot. So two episodes have aired so far. It's doing that sort of strange simultaneous viewing thing between the US and the UK. So in the States, it's on, on Sunday nights. And then the UK, we get it on a Monday. Uh, we've only watched the first episode so far, but we just thought we'd touch base with it because it is a show that we had been sort of looking forward to coming back. And we talked about it before. Mm. So we watched the first episode together, didn't we, remotely? We did. Um, so what was your kind of initial feeling on the first episode and also about the show coming back as a whole mm, okay slightly spoilerific discussion oh, yeah. spoilers i mean i did i i liked the last season wasn't necessary but we quite liked yeah. it didn't we? we we watched it together it was pretty fun wasn't really thinking uh, at all about season three didn't really feel like it was necessary felt like you know bbc was slightly not flogging a dead horse, that's not fair, but I just really, you know, where they start really stringing these things out. Yeah. But when I heard that they were pulling it forward, I think they were. it was supposed to air in the autumn, wasn't it? And they pulled it right forward because of what's happening. Um, and it, it felt like quite a nice piece of news, really, something to enjoy or feel distracted by, which I appreciate at this time. Watching the first episode, I do still really love Eve and Villanelle's characters, yeah. but... And I think we said this last time, the kind of cat and mouse aspect is it, it was almost getting a bit boring at the end of the last season because it feels like you'll never reach a proper climax. So I don't know. I was, slightly, I, I was feeling some slight uh, hesitation. Well, it's almost it's that. almost like the minute you bring them together, it's sort of like that's the end of the premise a little bit. Yeah, 
It is, and you kind of go, they're together, and they're either not going to hurt each other, or one of them's going to almost die, but then we'll find out that they didn't die, and then we start all over again. And yeah, there's kind of, it's just this endless loop, really, isn't it? But with this episode, it was quite interesting to see everyone in different setups. So the original Mm. sort of MI6 group has disbanded, Eve is alive, and she's working in a restaurant for Linnell's married for five seconds kenny's a journalist nico's alive and in rehab all of this kind of stuff so it was interesting to see them gang kind of yeah spread out dispersed we had like a couple of new characters so steve pemberton takes over from carolyn which is quite interesting yeah it's it's hard to know what to say really because it does sort of feel like the same old dance which includes lots of amazing outfits and a really good soundtrack but what else can they do with it yeah so i think the thing that felt quite telling for me about this was that we sat down to watch it and we synchronized it and then we were texting throughout Mm -hmm. and and it was the it was the point that we were like wait what happened in season two i can't remember anything and then also just being a bit like oh this is pointless but not pointless in the sense that like i'm not happy to sit in it's like perfectly enjoyable isn't it it is enjoyable. Like, I love Jodie Comer, and I think she's so good as Villanelle. They're and, so, they're, both know, of them are so great to watch, aren't they? Yeah, Sandra Oh is a delight as well as Eve, and, you know, it was very interesting to sort of see the aftermath of everything mm-hmm. that happened in season two, but I do just kind of... I'm apprehensive about what more you can do with the story. Yeah. When so much of the tension is embedded was embedded in that cat and mouse dynamic that you said. <laughs> Which basically happened, yeah, over a season ago. Yeah. I liked the twist ending. This is the sort of the spoilerific aspect of it. I liked that twist. Um, well, I didn't like it. I was mortified and very sad. But Lit. at least it made something feel a bit fresher and a bit more compelling. Yeah. And it kind of gave Eve a really valid reason to be drawn back into this search. Yeah. So, you know, that felt kind of like, oh, something different. But then it is kind of just going to go back into what it was before, which isn't... It'd be interesting to see if they can do anything different, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they build on the way that in season two, Eve and Villanelle almost end up working together a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether they utilise that anymore. I mean, I'm not, I'm like, obviously not mad at... Because it looks beautiful at all times. It looks and sounds amazing, basically, doesn't it? It's so much fun. It is fun. And obviously one of the big things with the show is the the costuming in Mm. it and the way that Villanelle's wardrobe is so well talked about. And obviously I'm not mad at the fact that Jodie Comer's, the clothing that she wears is always amazing. And they've kept, they have kept that standard pretty high. Like that hasn't slipped. It still looks great. It's still really cool. It's still really slick in that respect. I just don't think it will ever reach those incredibly lofty highs of season one, no, which is almost like so. part of the problem, I think. Yeah, that's where the sort of miniseries aspect kind of really worked, didn't it? But I think we'll carry on watching. We'll definitely carry on watching, and I'm sure we'll probably come back and do like a bit of a roundup when we've maybe halfway through or maybe when we've finished all of it. But I mean, it's quite nice to have it brought forward and have something on to watch every week yeah it's weekly so you can keep checking in on it it's something to look a an hour of your time to look forward to each week gotta have something yeah Yeah, definitely especially at this stage another thing that we have uh started watching um and there's only been one episode so far i think in the uk is run this is an american 
TV black comedy thriller series created by Vicky Jones. And Vicky Jones is a frequent collaborator of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which is what April said, uh, nicely ties back into Killing Eve. And Jones directed the stage production of Fleabag. This show is also executively produced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It premiered on HBO this month. So we saw the first episode on Sky. I think it was on Sky. Yeah. So the show stars Merritt Weaver, who uh, we love very much. Who was most... Oh, it's just so good. She was most recently in Marriage Story as Ruby and Donald Gleason as Billy. Again, a person we extremely love. Uh, so this is quite a lineup, uh, quite a duo. And the basic plot is that Ruby walks away from her ordinary life in the suburbs to revisit her past with her college boyfriend, Billy. The two made a pact 17 years earlier. If either of them texted the word run and the other replied with the same, they would drop everything and meet in Grand Central Station and travel across America together. So pretty intriguing plot there. What did you think of the first episode? Um, When this was announced that this was a thing, I was already extremely sold on the basis that it was Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleeson. Oh my god, so that's all I needed to know. Completely. When you mentioned it to me and I looked it up and I was like, I just saw the picture, you know, when you Google, I was like, oh oh, yeah, fine. I love Merritt Weaver, I love Donald Gleeson and so I, I mean regardless of the premise i would have been in off the bat anyway and Mm -hmm. i just so i sort of knew loosely what it was about but Mm -hmm. it's just such a prime example of a piece of programming that uses the two leads in like the best possible way there is such extreme chemistry between the two of them and this charged sexual tension that is the i mean that's what we spent most of the time talking about when we were discussing it wasn't it It, it's funny that i mean this meet up with an ex is definitely nothing like any of my meetups would be Mm -mm. who has this much repressed sexual energy with an ex it's mad it's just for half an hour programming it's my god it's half an hour as well half an hour episodes delightful lovely Yeah, it was a really intriguing kind of pilot as well. Like I didn't know much about it other than that brief synopsis and who was in it. But, you know, it's the sort of pilot that poses a ton of questions, like who are they and what happened to their relationship and where are they going? And you get almost, you know, pretty much no answers whatsoever. Yeah, you just, I don't know. It's just, it could go anywhere really, couldn't it? I'm really intrigued as to see see where it does go actually. And I think there is something Mm. quite interesting to be said about the fact that it is essentially a 30 minute episode drama i feel like merritt weaver is like extremely underrated as an actress as well so she's just brilliant she's so cool we i also had a long conversation with you about how when you have a celebrity or a person that for some reason in your brain looks like someone else and they merge <laughs> together even though they objectively probably aren't that similar looking yeah and i always think merritt weaver looks like fiona apple and i don't know why they do have some similar features but in my head they're actually the same person they've got very similar features and very similar like vibes and it was quite yeah, funny so- as well that we were having that discussion in the week building up to the release right? of the new Fiona I was about to say it's a really really great month for Merritt Weaver she's in a TV show and she released an album oh God, so congrats can I also just say Go on. there's a lot of train wanking in this <laughs> Um, so I have hope that things are going to get even hotter. It was I just wasn't expecting it. Half of the like sexual content that's in it. Oh my it. god, they are both so attractive. Donald Gleeson is so handsome. Oh. It's outrageous. Also, I really like that they let him be Irish in this. They do. They don't make him put on a silly accent. Nope. 
Irish as fuck. Keep him with his best accent, yep. which is objectively the best accent on the planet. Yep. Just can't beat an Irish accent. You just can't. Sexy by default. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. I, like Killing Eve, we'll probably come back and do a little bit of a, a catch-up as the season goes on. If you haven't had the chance to watch Run yet, I definitely would recommend seeking it out. I didn't see... I, I feel like if you're not a sort of person that spends their entire life on the internet like you and I, you might not have yeah. seen it being advertised I was about anywhere. to say, I don't think it's had huge fanfare, no. which might be due to timing at the moment partially so yeah it might slip under the radar a bit with a few people but they should definitely give it a try it does feel like we've managed to do quite a lot of like synchronized watching of things recently which has been quite nice because i know that we've done very well yeah i I know that one of the things for us that's uh hitting quite hard is not being able to like go and do the normal things together like we would do normally such as go to the cinema or like there's a lot of synchronized watching that goes on between us and i'm glad we're sticking to it even if it can be tricky to to line up sometimes yeah completely so one thing that we did watch together a sort of week and a bit ago was portrait of a lady on fire and this was something that we'd been desperate to try and see in the cinema and unfortunately for a variety of different release reasons distribution reasons um, it wasn't showing anywhere near us so we'd pretty much banked on the fact that we just weren't going to see it in the cinema at any point um so it is actually now available on a variety of digital platforms we watched it via uh, mubi on amazon so it was released in france in september 2019 then had a very limited release in the u.s in december and then a limited uk release this february so it's a french historical drama written and directed by celine siama and stars naomi molant and adele hanau it's set in france in the late 18th century and the film itself tells the story of a forbidden affair between an aristocrat Ella Heloise, um, played by Adele Hanel, and a painter, Marianne, who's played by Naomi Molant, who's commissioned to paint uh, Heloise's portrait. It competed for the Palme d'Or at Cannes last year, and it, it won the Queer Palm, which was the first film directed by a woman to win this. And Celine Siama also won Best Screenplay at Cannes. Interestingly, it wasn't picked to represent France at the 2020 Oscars, mm. despite receiving quite critical acclaim. Um, it's always interesting to see what films countries do submit it's a, that particular category the yeah, foreign film yeah. category and I, I do remember around the time at the start of this year which feels like 17 lifetimes ago there was quite a controversy about the fact that the film hadn't made its mm-hmm. way um into the nominations but neither here nor I there why that is dot 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 yeah right so like i said this was something that we were really really looking forward to lots of people whose opinions we kind of respect across the board from a critical point of view and also from a personal point of view had been like raving about this um so i know that for me personally and i think you'll probably be the same we were pretty hyped mm-hmm. to finally get the chance to see it and i feel like it's so rare these days to have super super high expectations for something and not feel let down and and watching this it was like watching i don't i i'm so loath to make the comparison of watching call me by your name because i feel like it's the it's like the lazy person's comparison but in that but sense but not for that reason no 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 it's not for that reason it's just the kind of the quality reason yeah, rather and, than and the I, actual content yeah completely and I remember that when we went to see Call Me By A Name for the first time I knew instantly that this was going to be something that I'd want to come back to that I'd connected mm-hmm. to that I just felt in complete awe of and this mm-hmm. for me is how I felt about watching Portrait of Lady on Fire finally like it just mm-hmm. it, it just blew me away I just think it's such a beautiful film what did you think what were your kind of feelings in advance of it and, and what did you take away from 
from us finally getting the chance to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I completely agree. Basically, it's, it's very, very hard to d- disagree. I would not expect anyone to disagree. I haven't heard a single person criticise this film, no. a single strand of this film at all, which is rare. It's absolutely beautiful, as expected. It's very intense, but sort of quite quietly passionate at the same time. I really liked how you have this really simple setup of the painter being hired to kind of secretly paint her subject, which brings their relationship into very much like sharp focus. There's not a lot of backdrop to this film. It is very much these two women and the relationship between them. Really liked that it was a film that's pretty much focused entirely on women. So you've got this setting of this large empty house, which is solely populated by women at that moment within kind of a a wider community of women. So the only people you see within the community as well are pretty much women. The only men you ever see are right at the beginning, where it feels like they kind of cast Marianne off to fend for herself. They don't give her any help. But then you've the whole film itself is still overshadowed by men. Eloise's proposed marriage, which is going to be sealed when the when the painting's finished. So they're kind of very much imprisoned by men and spend most of the time trying to reclaim their lives and their bodies. And yeah, it just uh, it was a really fascinating. It's a very simple premise, but a really fascinating thing to watch. Looks beautiful. Like it's so like every shot is so finely crafted and I know we kind of spoke to each other about it a little bit you know there's like all this focus on the eyes and the gaze and their hands and there's those really memorable scenes there's the one where they're sort of alternating looking at each other by the cliffs yeah which I know you and I discussed and then there's also that one with Marianne looking in the mirror which has been sort of propped up against Heloise's body so she can sketch herself they're like two two images that have just completely seared in my brain really it's just beautiful isn't it it is you've got all those like vibrant strands of like color there's loads of reds and blues and the outfits look amazing in just a very simple way but just you know the outfits that they wear when they go outside onto the beach and like the the scarves that they're using around their faces and it's just i don't know it's just all so memorable and so vivid even though we watched it like a couple of weeks ago i feel like i really absorbed all the details it does feel like you said it's been seared into my brain. I mean, it's just every single frame of the film is literally like a painting. It's like a, it's like a, a colourful yeah, photograph. It's such a great metaphor for the whole thing, isn't it? It is so quiet in the sense that, like, the, the premise is very, like you say, is, is very, very simple. But there's just so much embedded in it, like, that you almost don't need any backstory. Like, at the beginning, you're told that, like, um, Heloise has, has come home because her sister has passed away and, and Heloise was in a convent so she's been brought home mm-hmm. because she's not you know her sister's died and she's not coping um, and that's it you don't need to know anything else that's yeah. just the bit you don't you don't know a huge amount about Marianne you know the film does begin with she's in a class and she's teaching other women mm-hmm. how to paint and then there is a painting that's behind them and then you know that's where the story builds out of that she's talking yeah it's kind of framed that way isn't it you've got this the framing of the structure of the story but then when you've when most of it is set in kind of that present moment it's so detailed every shot is so detailed despite being yeah quite a simple it's, premise it's so it's just so textured it's so layered and it's not not in a way it that is. like shoves it in your face it's, there's lots of little bits of symbolism and, and things that you know mean other 
elements that mean other things but mm. it's just not loud with it at all no. I think that there is this sort of very I, I've listened to like a couple of interviews with Celine Siama since and watched a couple of like videos mm. of her being interviewed and like she talks at length about it kind of the way that historically there's always been this fetishization of the muse as like not oh, yeah, being participant yeah. in the creative process and this feels mm. like such an interesting twist on that because yeah, the way that the true. relationship between Heloise and Marianne builds is that actually like Marianne has been posited to do a piece of work she's there to paint a picture mm-hmm. of Heloise but then actually she can't do her work because of the way that Heloise isn't involved so she then has to become part of the yeah. process yeah yeah and it's a very much a joint process then isn't it kind of it completely forward. is and if you sp- I suppose if you look at the kind of I don't know the gender dynamics of that as well from a historical mm-hmm. point of view about mm-hmm. the woman always being the muse and the man always being the creator yeah you know it twists that and I think that it's just so powerful in that sense and and it's just a, co- a real mm. collaborative effort and I just think that you know yeah. it's there's there's a real time frame within the film as well so Marianne's mm-hmm. supposed to only be there I think for like six days initially and then that gets extended yeah I was I remember saying to you I was really struck by like what a tiny time frame it is the way that it builds in such a yeah like a number and of the days. thing is as well is that you know that it's going to come to an end so almost in mm-hmm. the same way I guess lazy comparison but the way in like calling by a name that you know that oliver is eventually going to leave because he has to go yeah, back it's, it's a summer. summer there are so many films that are like that like um the mm-hmm. before trilogy so the richard Linklater, like before sunrise before mm-hmm. sunset there's this really mm-hmm. interesting narrative device of putting two people together that have chemistry that have a relationship but knowing that it's it's a finite member of time and it's like what do you yeah. get out of that period what impact does that period mm. have and this felt like such a perfect example of that and i just it hasn't it really hasn't left my brain since since no we saw it. one of the things that stuck with me a lot as well kind of imagery wise and it had quite like there was so much like ghostly imagery and it's quite a gothic story in many aspects yes. so you've got this huge creaking empty house you've got the first painting uh, which is defaced by the previous painter Heloise's sister who commits suicide and you've got the kind of ghostly figure of Heloise in the white dress that repeatedly appears throughout for something that is so essentially quite a simple story it's just got such depth and I feel like you could analyse the shit out of this on so many levels yeah that's the thing there's like lots of tiny details that you want to go back and read about and go back and watch and rewatch. and even there was like an article I was reading about uh, I can't remember where it was I'll find out where it was but it was just tall. it was a really brief article it was just highlighting the way that um, obviously this language is in French and it talks about the way that the language remains formal and distant for the majority of the film until Marianne flees down the stairs at the end and then the language subtly changes to something that's more informal and slightly familiar and that's like a thing I would never pick up on because I don't speak fluent French. No, that's true. Stuff like that is like tiny little details that people won't, you know, might not pick up on depending on who they are or when you're watching it or all of these things. It's just, yeah. I already can't wait to go back and watch it again. Like I'd said to, so we watched it together from a distance, and I'd I said to Tom that like he he should watch it. We'll watch it together because I feel like he'll he'll enjoy it just as much as I would. And also, I'm just very much looking forward to watching it again. And I just one thing we haven't talked about is just the end sequence so throughout the film there's a Mm. a purposeful lack of music so there's a period of time where they go to this bonfire gathering and then there's a group of women oh the music in that scene is like and it's incredible and then 
there is a brief they play the piano together don't they and there's that and then they do yeah and then there's a sequence at the end which is contained in the theater and it's just i like that in particular so you've just sort of endured this kind of like love story and this building of this relationship and this kind of dismantling of the relationship and then you you get this sequence at the end and it's just absolutely breathtaking it's just Mm, one of the best things i've seen in the last year Mm, easily easily so I just, if you've got the opportunity to watch it, I like couldn't recommend it more. I feel like at this stage, it's probably going to be the best thing I'm going to have seen this year. It's just a delight and I, I can't wait to go back to it again. I feel like we haven't really talked about much music recently. Um, I think there's just been a... I don't know, there has been music, obviously. There has been, but there's uh, nothing, just been nothing that we've wanted to talk about in a pod setting. Nothing to truly capture our hearts. No, I but, think. I mean, so last week there was the release of the June Vanity Fair, as discussed, at the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the week we were treated with the biggest gift ever, which was the release <laughs> of Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which is the fifth studio album by American singer-songwriter Fiona Apple. So it was released on Friday the, the 17th. Um, it's her first album since The Idler Wheel, which was released back in 2012. Fiona Apple began recording Fetch the Bolt Cutters back in 2015, but she only announced the album's release in uh, March of this year, though she had given interviews in which she discussed the new album was in the works around the start of 2020. So the album's title was announced via a New Yorker piece in which Emily Nussbaum profiled the singer. Um, the title, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, is a quote from, and I love this so much. I just, just honestly, it's so perfect and on It's brand. ridiculous, isn't it? So it's a quote from uh, the British-Irish crime drama series, The Fall, um, where great series. great series, which we both enjoyed, uh, where the protagonist, a sex crime investigator portrayed by, of all people, Gillian Anderson, recites the phrase while investigating a crime where a woman was taken hostage so this came out on friday and i spent all of friday listening to it i was really pleased when it was announced that fiona apple was releasing a new album because like who doesn't want that gift but i i just feel like my entire week has been consumed by this and it's quite funny because we'd had a conversation a few weeks prior to that as well about fiona apple yeah. and it felt like it was the first time we'd ever spoken to each other about fiona apple i was about to say like we yeah at the beginning of this kind of lockdown period i spent i started listening to music more like whilst i'm working from home which i don't do at work um because i'm in the office but at home i can have music in the background and i'd spent a few days just like absolutely rinsing fiona apple's discography um which i feel like i haven't done in like Mm -hmm. years and we had a conversation about it and it was like jesus like why have we never discovered you know why have we never discussed fiona apple fiona apple's amazing blah 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 and then this happened and i think the record was supposed to come out in october but again they've pulled this forward she requested that they push it uh, to april due to the current situation and yeah it's been like a solid week of pretty much everyone i know or follow on social media discussing this record and Fiona Apple's just become this like flag bearer for like getting through this lockdown period as a woman it's just it's really interesting my entire twitter timeline on friday was just was it just memes? it was just fetch the bolt cutter memes and then it was also just people discovering parts of fetch the bolt cutters at varying stages mm-hmm. so you had like everyone in the states that had stayed up until after midnight to when it was on available online and then you had like all of 
Europe and like the UK waking up and listening to it. And then you had like the rest of the States waking up and listening <laughs> like to a, it. Like a Mexican wave of I think the thing that was quite funny is that, so I, on Friday when I was working, I just had it going as well. And, and Tom Thomas came upstairs and was just like, do I need to listen to Fiona Apple? And I was like, oh, have, have like... In the, in the entire like 12 years that we've been together have we literally never had a conversation about Fiona Apple and he was like no I don't even know who this person is like but my entire like social media as well is just like people listening to Fiona Apple right now and and I just right. felt the timing of this has been so perfect it's just like the perfect amount of condensed time to sit and spend time with a piece of Fiona Apple work and I feel like my favourite things about her albums is that they are so layered and that she's she's such like a, a wordsmith when it comes to lyrics and, and, and things mm-hmm, like that and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've never had a period of time to actually sit and enjoy it there and then yeah I think we can pr- pay like proper tribute to her as an artist and in a way that I think she's been almost so many people were into her especially when they were younger Mm -hmm. you kind of like take she's it almost feels like we've taken her for granted all these years and she's kind of been there in the background and like you say like we haven't had a conversation about her um and then this comes out and it's like fuck like she's so brilliant this whole record has come at such a good time such a great distraction and it speaks like so well to so many aspects of like the female experience as well it speaks so directly I can't remember the last time having a record that yeah it literally does feel like it speaks to you and then that there are I don't know stories and topics and just narratives like embedded in every song completely that are telling specific experiences <laughs> and it's not abstract in any way it's really cutting I don't know just cutting down the line and talking about like relationships to women and resentment and monogamy and depression and female friendships and breaking out of prison and all of these kind of things fiona apple is someone who's like always put so much of her life into her work so in a way that i feel yeah. like has been overlooked or disregarded so often and, and because she became famous at such a young age so her first record Mm -hmm. came out i think when she was 17 and Mm -hmm. she was almost like fetishized in the press as you know like this being this hot young talented woman and and you know so much of her sexuality was tied up in her work from a an outside perspective as in people push that upon her and like Mm -hmm. it feels like Mm -hmm. with this album and in a couple of articles which i'll link to which are really interesting to Mm -hmm. read there's the one in vulture yeah the vulture ones have been great actually yeah there's been really really interesting there's the piece in vulture by rachel handler and then there's the emily nussbaum new yorker piece as well and reading Mm. them as a as a comparison was very interesting because you know that fiona apple has had to to get to this stage has had to overcome so much trauma and and now she feels like she's finally representing her true self in her work i just want to read um the first opening paragraph in that um Mm -hmm. pitchfork review so it was written by written by jen pelly whose work is always amazing and she gave the record a 10 and i think that this particular paragraph speaks to everything you've said about the fact that like a lot of people listen to fiona apple when they were younger or when they're growing up or when they're going through things um Mm -hmm. and to to get to a stage when she releases an album and you just feel so recognized by it like you understand it on a real level i think Mm. you know speaks to to so many of us so the paragraph begins it happens to most of us at an early age the realization that life will not follow a straight line on the path towards fulfillment instead life spirals the game is rigged power corrupts and society is in a world bullshit 
Art can expose the lies. The early music of Fiona Apple was so much about the grand betrayals by inadequate men and the patriarchal world. Did it teach you to hate yourself? Did it teach you to bury your pain, to let it calcify, to build a gate around your heart that quiets the reaches of your one lonely voice? Fetch the bolt cutters. And I just... I read this review on Friday after a couple of plays of the record and I just like lost my mind because I just felt, you know, to, to, to be experiencing this record generally, I think it would have an impact, but to be experiencing mm. this record now. So, ti- like, I can't, I almost can't believe how timely it is, even with regards to like, she talks in those interviews about how she recorded or co-produced a lot of well like all of these tracks like at home yeah. and use garage band and iphone and there's background noises and her dogs and you know instruments made from stuff she found around the house and like it feels like it's an like a record made in lockdown even though it was it's only ju- you know it's come out at the beginning of completely it. she's really strange she's talked over the years about the fact that she often finds it difficult to go out because of the press hounding that mm. she's had because of how she has had relationships with notable men and that's often defined the way that people view her and she's struggled with that at length so it is very so interesting that like you say the fact that like so much of this work was created in her bubble of being at home and not being able to go mm. anywhere and just having music and lyrics and you know art at her disposal as a way of coping with that so for her to then release this out to us when we're all struggling with like suddenly being trapped and being (laughs) in a space yeah and we've got the time to like reflect on all of the things that she's talking about completely she wrote about at the time it's just it's it's almost weird i mean i know she brought the release date forward but still like it's weird it feels like the perfect record for this moment in time i did on friday it was a very strange week last week and i when i was listening to this on friday it just felt like this weird relief almost it was like a yeah. weight and it mm-hmm. was like fuck you know it just, i don't know i like you say I, I don't i'm not someone that like necessarily believes in like the stars aligning or like cosmic intervention mm-hmm. but it did feel a little bit like i can't imagine any other record coming out at this time and having as much of an impact and I say that with like having many other bands and artists whose work that I love and adore I just don't think that anyone else releasing an album around this time would have would have had the same impact as as this record at all so a real delight and I think that it's going to be really interesting to sort of like reflect back on this period of time in Mm -hmm, years mm -hmm. months I feel like this is something yeah this record in particular is something we'll remember of that period hopefully we'll have blanked out all the really rubbish stuff (laughs) it's it's, like you say it's completely going to be tethered to this period of time for better or worse and um, I'm just really pleased that that it came really (laughs) yeah me too I think it's yeah it's it's the perfect moment for it um, so in a change of scenery, that implies that I've actually been out of the house recently. Um, we are doing something different from the podcast because we are all doing it remotely. We've got someone on the podcast this time round. I've got a guest. It's uh, Paisley. Hi, Paisley. Hello. I'm a guest. You're a guest. You're a guest. A guest of honour. I've known Paisley for a very long time, since the day she was born. Literally the day, Literally the day she That's was born. Yeah, she is the, my oldest friend in the entire world. So no pressure. You've not got any expectations to live up to or anything. Uh, well, I think it's quite a compliment, really, because we were trying to think of interesting people we could have on the pod to have a chat to. And you were like the first person we thought. Oh, my God. I feel like I've got performance anxiety and I'm not going to get an intellectual boner. 
what what sort of intellectual brainer are you going to get on <laughs> yeah have you listened to it not really I mean it's also worth bearing in mind that you weren't my suggestion you were Steph's suggestion so oh my god know. exactly Steph. Extra flattery. Yeah, no pressure. No prash. No. So what we're going to do is we're just going to play a small, interesting and exciting game with you. And then we'll do a little bit of like perfunctory oh. chat with you to learn more about you as a human being. Is that okay? Yeah, I've got a nervy bum, but yeah. Okay, fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> a little twitch. Yeah, it's Stressed fine. All right. Okay. Steph, you have to explain the game. So this is basically, it's kind of like hot or not, but it's not just are they hot or not. It's like, here is a list of people who are probably quite shite human beings Mm -hmm. or slightly dubious or maybe a little bit rank. Um, Quick cue, is it as they are? Uh, Who they are, not in their characters? I think you could specify if you wanted to. Yeah, that would be interesting. Usually as they are as an actor or actress or musician, but if there is a specific situation, for example, as a character that you'd be like, yeah, totally would bone them. Okay. Um, I think that's okay. So there's room for expansion. Brilliant. Another thing I noticed is that most of these people are white and male because they are actually the most annoying and dubious people. <laughs> a common so, theme. Yeah. Okay. But can I just preface this with, I've really got pandemic goggles at the moment and I think everyone's attractive. Oh, yes. So this is kind of not representative of me as a person. But this is why it'll be so good to play though is because I feel like we've all been indoors for too long and Steph and I frequently over the last few weeks is any time we've spoken between ourselves about people that we may find moderately attractive we have to put yeah. it with the caveat of like i've literally been indoors for yes. like four weeks COVID so, yeah. yeah okay glad we all agree yeah fine oh yes absolutely okay fine okay, we'll, we'll do starter for 10 leonardo dicaprio no no okay no. interesting he's a, because of who he is and what sure. he does and the rumors about him and women what his creepy not. little headphones the headphones he's got going on you don't know about the headphone yeah. thing no google it okay cool okay i'll google it yeah you're you're probably talking about the girl's friend thing yeah you know how he just loves them young and i don't i'm not no fine completely fine we're no spring chickens (laughs) (laughs) is that what you're saying rude (laughs) fine (laughs) it's true fair enough good start jennifer lawrence i could take it or leave it oh interesting i find her highly annoying she is quite Mm. annoying isn't she Mm. i think she probably overdid the like quirky I'll say what I I'm thinking and don't have a I got really tired of her like I'm really normal and down to earth and I go to award ceremonies and fall over because I'm so normal and quirky thing that just got so old to me uh okay Jared Leto oh it's so hard because like on the visuals obviously yeah but the it's a really hard you one. know you know the rumors. He's literally scum of the earth. Steph, yeah. hates, Steph hates him so much. Oh, do you not? April think... is just April loves him. Oh, do you think he's an attractive person though, Steph? Uh, Objectively, uh, no, I don't think I do. He's a bit Weasley. Oh, that is true. I don't think so. That's very much <laughs> okay. He's sort of like um, Zedless Jesus. <laughs> fine though, emo Jesus. Yeah, yeah fine. <laughs> yeah. But if you if he came up to you in a club, uh, no one else had to know, and was like, "Shall we?" <laughs> what do you think you'd say? Yeah, go on. You do it for the story. Yeah, you would. I think you would. Yeah, you would. you would. Fine. True. Emma Watson as Hermione. Right? <laughs> in any in any context. Again, for the way she looks, <laughs> yes, but for the way yeah, she's pretty girl, she's a stunner. But I would feel so 
insecure and thick in comparison. I feel like she talks too much. So I think I'd get she's a talker. She's a talker. Yeah, she's into bondage though. I read the other day. Oh, so right. actually, no, I'd be intimidated. <laughs> oh, that's really intimidating, but also quite sexy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steph, do you want to do the next one? Uh, why? Can you? Could you tell that this was me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Harrison Ford at seventy six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw him on that bridge then with Kylo Ren, and I thought. <laughs> Next to Kylo Ren, he looks better. It's a no from me, actually. No, <laughs> is it? I yeah. would absolutely tap that. Would you? Just, you know, tap yeah, hundred percent. But do you like him young as well? Oh God, so much. Okay, who doesn't? Is it true that he was just a carpenter, and after, and then George Lucas was like, "Can you come back and do another Star Wars?" And he was like, oh, "I've got to quit my job as a carpenter." Yeah, he was Joan. He was Joan Didion's carpenter. Lol, <laughs> isn't that the most like bougie thing ever? I love it. Carry on. Um, Army Hammer. No, Smarmy Hammer. Oh, he is Smarmy, he is smarmy. Isn't he? smarmy I, army. I once read this uh, piece about, have you read it? I think it's on BuzzFeed and it's like, why he, Why the fuck is he so successful? He's not done anything good ever. This was before <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. And it's so true. I have read that article and I do enjoy it a great length because actually when you look through his filmography, it's very spotty. It is. Yeah. But then Call Me is. Yeah. Knocked it out of the park really, didn't it? Yeah. Why does he dress his children like small Victorian, <laughs> like nursery babies? Like, why do they always wear? Because they're extremely rich. He's from money. He's like society rich. So mm. he's the, the Hammer Dynasty. Isn't yeah, Armanama, like oil or something. Yeah, this is this is an April one. Ben Affleck. No, no, I, mean, I can't no. stop thinking of the back tattoos. I know. I I I I, can't, I just I love Ben Affleck so much. So. What? Why did he lie about the tattoos, April? How could you have sex with a man who pretended he didn't have tattoos that were that shit when he did, really? Look, Ben Affleck's yeah. got a lot of deep-seated problems and this <laughs> is not the forum in which to discuss them. I feel like he's got a heart of gold, so... All right. Loves the tortured He stuff. just wants to be loved. Doesn't obey lockdown rules very well, just saying. Look, he's yeah. having a nice time with his new girlfriend, Anna de Armas. I mean, like, leave him alone. Going out to buy his quote-unquote essential... He just wants to go to Starbucks. You told me the other day that you were desperate for a Starbucks, so... Oh, I'm so desperate for a dirty Starbucks. If Ben point. Affleck asked you to go out in lockdown to get a Starbucks, would you say no? Yes, because it's Ben Affleck. <laughs> Well, I would so I would go and I wouldn't bring you back a Starbucks on principle. Rude. Uh, Ralph Fiennes. Oh, this is where I have to admit that I don't know what he looks like. Oh, that's fine. I see his name come up on films all the time. Don't know which one he is. Should I do I need to not, of him? Not immediately sexy. Let's put it that way. But is he old? I'm, Steph, did you add this because he's probably had sex with Patty Smith? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. He's Voldemort. Okay, Ralph Fiennes as Voldemort. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'd find the lack of nose stressful. Oh my God, Ralph, or Rafe, how do you say it? Rafe. Rafe, Rafe. he's from Ipswich. Yeah, Paisley, you know um, there's, you know the Raveningham estate in the area in which, near our parents? What is she saying? His, what um, is that? His, his family, his family own the Raveningham estate. Near um near Beckles, I've never heard of it, pal. Have you not? Oh, we'll we'll have a conversation about this. It's very interesting. <laughs> I will be. Is it? it Can you do that off? I'll do it off mic. Anyway, uh, Katy Perry. 
Yeah, she kissed a girl and she liked it. She'd be up for it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, I actually really I liked that. Katie Perry. I like the confidence with which she said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one, Scarlett Johansson. No. On principle, because of the ethics. Yeah. I don't know why I put the next one, but go on, April. Uh, Jason Derulo. Oh, yes. <laughs> No, he's too. No. Is this because we went through a period of being really obsessed with talk dirty, Timmy? Maybe. But- <laughs> I'm glad that you just automatically know the context yeah, for all of, of these things. Is that why you also put um, Justin Bieber as well, or did I put Justin? Um, I think we both put Justin Bieber. We almost put him twice. Oh. So so emphatic were we that he had to be on this list? Please double no to both of him both times. No. Oh, okay, fine. Okay. Uh, okay. Just me and you, wait. Yes, fine. Fine. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, of course. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Good. Good. With you Bad both time. as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Natalie Portman. Yeah. Kira Knightley. Oh, mm, no. Because I, I did see her in a good film. What's it called? Say When? The other day that I really liked with Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, then, that one's good. Oh, love it? Chloe Grace. Me too. But then I can't get all I can think of when I think of Kira Knightley is I'm Domino, a bounty hunter. Have you seen it? <laughs> the worst. Film ever. Hello, I'm Kira Knightley. <laughs> That's funny because um, my cousin and I, for a very long period of time, used to have this joke about how in love actually when she goes to fucking Rick from Walking Dead's house mm-hmm. um, and she brings pie Rick and from Walking Dead. I couldn't remember what his name is Andrew Lincoln when she goes to Andrew Lincoln's house and she gets um, she takes him some pie and she's like oh would you like some pie and then he's like no and she was like oh I'm really glad because I want to eat it or something like that and it's just so insufferably posh it's horrible yeah that's it what a thrilling plot line yeah it's great <laughs> seminal text um <laughs> I think I know what. Oh, actually, I don't know. Shia LaBeouf. You'd have to say yes for the. You experience. would say yes. It would be an experience. It would yeah. be an experience. Mm. Smells like a mattress. But <laughs> take it. Yeah, I put this on the list so we could specifically talk about the fact that we have this weird infatuation with thinking about how Shia would probably smell. <laughs> stinky, and Just it's an old stinky. mattress, I assume. Yeah, yeah. A bit sweaty. I see that. We'll take it. Lucas Hedges. Oh yeah, definitely one hundred percent. Thank God. Uh, you don't feel the same it. way, do you, Steph McKenna? Um, I can see the charm. <laughs> I think I don't find him sexy, but he's obviously very charming. I just love him. Lovely. Like, I love him. I love him. I just don't know whether I want to, like, engage physically with him. Okay. I'm sure. But do you love him like a son? Maybe. Maybe mm, that's what um, it is. Like a brotherly, like, oh, he's my, yeah, okay, fine. He's my lovely brother. Um, Miley Cyrus. Oh, it's so hard because I would have said yes, but then she's been a bit dicky to the to the gays recently. So I've got to say mm. no for my own self-respect. It's good. I respect I think that. That's, yeah, you. very respectful. Anne Hathaway. Oh, my God. Yeah. In modern love with red hair and a Ooh. polo neck. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> April, you, April added the next um, one. Adam Driver. Oh, why did you even ask? <laughs> I just find that offensive of course a thousand times yes it's because I find ugh, he's so polarised yeah. yeah he's not conventional is he but he's very he's a lot yeah. he's got a presence a pre- an aura yes. mm-hmm. oh we're almost done by the way this is going on for a bit Andy Sandberg oh yeah yeah April no- I texted April the other day saying I fancy him he's quite he's got bisexual energy he has extremely bisexual energy 
Is he bisexual? No, but I, I just like to think that he exudes it. Maybe he doesn't know yet. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't, hasn't talked about it in public. I was going to say, yeah, I want to true. help him find out, and then I realise that's not how it works. I'm not the man. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a conversation with him about it, though. Mm, it's not the yeah. same. Um, Joaquin Phoenix. No. Because oh. he's too close to Casey Affleck and all that nonsense, and I just think they're a bunch of minging men. Minging mingers. Yeah. Do you all love him? Yeah. Um, I fancy Joaquin Phoenix quite a lot, yeah. knowing that he's probably quite an insufferable person, mm. but um, extremely hot. He's a prime example of someone that is like an absolute, he would be insufferable. Like he would be yeah. insufferable. I, I would never want to meet him. If I was like a journalist, he would be like the what the, like the person <gasps> I would never want to have to interview. I've got to be too scared. You just wouldn't do it. Yeah, really, really, yeah. really scary. Tilda Swinton. I like, mm. um, no, I'm not, I'm not sold. No. She's quite control as well. Do you remember all that stuff with her and Margaret Cho? Do you remember all that? No. no. Oh, no. Is Tilda Swinton problematic? She's definitely oh. a, a bit of an ignorant racist. And then <laughs> oh, Margaret Tilda. tried to call her and Tilda was like, you're wrong. Or something like that. Oh, God, oh, Tilds. No. Sorry. Tilds, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I can no longer name my first child after her. No, Sorry. it's fine. Uh, Donald Gleeson. Oh, yes, of course. In every part. I've seen him once in Soho, definitely. Yeah. Oh, he's so hot. Really? <sighs> oh, next one. Very topical. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Oh, no, hang on. Which one's Bill? Is he it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. All of the Skarsgårds. Yeah. Skarsgård. <laughs> uh, Kate Winslet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. An yeah. English rose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. Why is Jared Leto on here twice? Because I didn't realise that you'd already put him on the list. (laughs) (laughs) So Florence Pugh was, in fact, our last one. Oh, Florence, what a lovely ending. My mum's obsessed with Florence Pugh, so she'd be proud of me for that. Well done. We filled 20 minutes for that. Well done, guys. I thought it was going to be a quite far thing, but there was a lot to... uh... Thank you for joining in with our pointless game of um so now that that's out of the way we've really set the tone for this delightful conversation going forward do you want to give yourself a little bit of an intro just to explain to our listeners who might not know who you are and what you do who you are and what you do who I am is what I do unfortunately my life my my I was saying the other day my identity is so wrapped up in my job that if I ever left my job I don't know who I'd be it's really sad who am I yeah that's a nice thing though is it at least you love your job but then it means you can never forget about it oh so annoying tell us about your job because it's actually interesting despite what my mother tells her friends which is that I work in sexual health my job (laughs) is (laughs) sex and relationships editor at cosmopolitan magazine slash website which means that I write about shagging and stuff like that. (laughs) All day, every day. Constantly. And let me tell you, it's like, what's the word where you you become numb to it? You just completely like nothing shocks you anymore. From the tits down, not a tingle. (laughs) (laughs) Just deadened. Yeah. Deadened. Yeah. Uh, oh god there is I have so many questions but um how long have you been doing it for three years actually just had my LinkedIn three-year anniversary oh congrats happy anniversary (laughs) thank you 
I mean, it must be a pretty good job. It sounds like a really fascinating job. It's really fun. I was just thinking today, like I was talking to a woman who is a NHS frontline worker and she messaged me saying my husband's having an affair and I want to talk to you about it. And then like, you know, yesterday I was talking to the squirting champion of the world and I was like, I do quite like my job because I get to just chat to interesting people. It always sounds really varied in that like you can be Mm. doing things like you've just said and then do something that's like slightly the other end of the spectrum it must just be very interesting to do something that has such variety no that is true and I do get to pick and choose so it's I'm very lucky I guess there's no limit actually Mm -mm. you think about it there's no limit to what you can cover no boundaries and you can still work at the moment from home yeah I'm very lucky that I am actually built to work from home my I'm built my job role is built to work from home because it's digital journalism so and you're doing a podcast too? Doing a podcast, yeah. Tell us about the podcast. It's called All The Way With and every week we have a different guest on to talk about their sex life or relationships and it's not all smut. Sometimes it's about orgasmic massage and sometimes it's a lady who has an arranged marriage. So it's, don't you know, don't put me in a box. That's all I'm saying. Don't, you don't put me in a box. It's a really interesting podcast. I, I feel like you've been saying it like mm-hmm. the fact that you get to do such a variety of different kind of conversations and things mm-hmm. I think the, the podcast really reflects that and I found that really interesting also oh. it's just really nice to hear you talk in a professional capacity Paisley so uh, professional you do. do you sound do you sound different vastly different oh do I we just sound really it's just funny I think because like there's just such a difference between like reading the things that you write in print online Mm -hmm. or like in the actual Mm -hmm. magazine and then hearing you actually have those conversations with people on the podcast you've just got a really nice way of you know getting things out of people oh thank you well no because I feel like there must be the way that you approach like a podcast interview must be so different to the way that you must then go about talking to your sort of sources and stuff for your print journalism I don't know. I someone the woman from the NHS today said to me on the phone, I was really scared to talk to you, but you just sound like a normal person and that's always been my MO has been like just speak to them like a normal mm. person and don't be like a journalist because that's scary. But I don't know. It's intimidating, isn't it? Yeah. The idea of a journalist is quite intimidating. I think it comes with an idea. Mm-hmm. Especially when they are talking to you about things that are quite personal and sort mm-hmm. of they may have not aired to someone else before. I guess it must add an extra element of like fear for a lot of people so if they feel like they can open up to you it must just be really nice exactly I always go in first with a self-deprecating comment so that they know I think I'm shit as well and then they like feel on the same level as me <laughs> I love do you that. know what I mean <laughs> well it is sort of normalizing isn't it because yeah, I do think that there is yeah. this idea of like journalists as being like above and beyond mm-hmm. the, the sort of I don't know the stories they're reporting on so it's quite nice if they feel like if you go in and do that and just put them at yeah. ease I guess you must feel <laughs> I guess you must feel like you have given away a lot of yourself in both of these, like with your writing and the podcast. Yeah. You must have to draw on your own experiences quite a lot. Do you keep them under wraps? Do you have to give examples from your own life quite a lot? Is it a bit of a weird balance? It's, it honestly, it's so weird. Like I've been thinking about this loads recently because I feel like as women and writers, we're expected to give up so much more of ourselves than male writers Mm -hmm. ever are. It's like the first person piece has become the holy grail of women's journalism and almost like women's fiction as well. Whereas where do you see men, you know, pegging their boyfriends and writing about it? Like it just doesn't happen as much. No. And at first I did it loads because I thought this is how I get into journalism and make my name. And now I'm older 
I'm starting to realize I don't want to do that anymore. And I think it's unfair. And so I keep back a lot now. And also, I think one day I might want to write a book. I should save that. That's like gold dust. (laughs) Have you always been quite upfront with people when you're dating or you're in relationships about sort of like the nature of your job and the things that you normally share in your writing? Like, do you have to have that conversation quite early on and just be like, oh, well, this is what I do and I might need to share stuff? Because that's something I've always wondered. Yeah, it's really hard because everybody takes it so differently as well. Um, Mm. So like one ex, won't name any names, but we were talking about him earlier and was like, yeah, just write anything, just change my name and don't use any pictures of me. Yeah. And then my most recent ex was like, didn't even like me writing about something we did and giving her a fake name. So it's like, it just completely depends on people's boundaries and you've got to be respectful, haven't you? Do you ever get feedback from men in particular being like wow you're so out there with all of this I'm just thinking even with our podcast which doesn't Mm. tackle these things in the same way at all but has just occasional you Mm -hmm. know occasional discussions (laughs) even then we've had feedback from people being like wow like it's really unusual having a woman talk you know in this way which is funny because it's that's literally how all the women I know (laughs) yeah the feedback we get is always so gendered in that like women probably don't ever I don't think we've ever had any conversations with women of that kind at all but any all of the feedback that we've had on on that lane with people being like oh wow I can't believe that you say this stuff or I can't believe you uh, your opinions that way has all largely come from men and it's just so oh yeah that is interesting I don't I don't I maybe I've had like five in the past year but and that might be like one dick pic one comment being like hey do you want to I don't know I don't even know but like not nothing that bad and I don't know if it's because our audience is so predominantly female Mm. Uh, more than anything the feedback I get is actually so like sad it's like from women who are really unhappy or like really insecure or people who think Mm. they might be queer or whatever and don't know what to do about it Mm. it's more like people wanting therapy than people having yeah. a go at me which is nice sorry for you guys though do you find that quite galvanizing though when people do mm. feedback to your work in that way so whether that is something you've written or whether that's the podcast whether they've because it's obviously opened a door for them yeah. in some way like is it quite galvanizing to know that and does it sort of not motivate you because that sounds like it's sort of doing it for the likes but does it sort of actually give like a bit of an added meaning to it no, it definitely does because there's a lot of chat on twitter i don't know if you see it from journalists being like remember your journalism is not for other journalists it's not to make other people think you're good at journalism it's for the average reader and it's mm. really like when um, when someone messages saying oh this helped me you're like oh yeah i remember i write for you not for you know so and so who works at buzzfeed to think that i'm great so it is yeah it's yeah so you're in you're in london at the moment mm-hmm. are you in lockdown um how have you been finding it like is it because obviously we're quite well obviously we're not in london we're very much removed from that and i just wondered like what the your experience of all of this has been so far because i think that's what's been really interesting is that i feel like we're so disconnected from it in a, in a way mm-hmm. just because of how like physically distant we are from all of it um it's weird because in that I like I'm not really going out I guess like quite like April I don't know about you Steph if you're going out but um not often no so I'm I'm not either maybe once a week to get my shopping and to go for runs Mm -hmm. and like so when I'm in my house I just don't really think about it and as soon as you go out you're like fuck this is so weird it feels really dystopian because it's when you see the people queuing in the supermarkets with the masks on that you're like oh fuck but Ooh, yeah. the thing about London is there's no space so even when you go for a run it's just kind of like a normal Saturday in the park because 
it's yeah. not that people aren't taking the distancing measures seriously it's that there are just so many people it's kind of impossible to stay away from them there's no space is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it feels like every time you go outside it's a huge risk but can't not go out eh no you've got to go out a little bit mm-hmm. you've got to do those uh yeah those state approved exercise walks exactly <laughs> yeah um, what so in that sense, what have you kind of found have been quite useful as sort of coping mechanisms so far, like little routines that you've got embedded or things that you've been doing to kind of alleviate the like doom and mm-hmm. gloom of it all? Because I, I found that really interesting, actually. Like we in the, in the episode previous to this one, Steph and I talked quite a lot about the things that we'd sort of immediately pivoted to mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. focused our attention on as a way of kind of dealing with everything that was going on. And it it seems to be varying between people in a way that I found just really interesting. And obviously, that's a reflection of people's individual interests. But I'm just always I'm just nosy. I just want to know what everyone's doing. Oh, I love that. Well, weirdly, I was thinking the other day. I've become deeply obsessed with my little routines, whereas before I was feeling really burnt out and I didn't have any routine and that was really getting to me so I feel like the second mm-hmm. this happened I was clinging on to routine for dare life god I went north dare life for dare life <laughs> five minutes in your company and listen to me um, <laughs> I don't know if this is a routine after quite a few large emotional breakdowns I just stopped looking at the news and reading twitter 24 7 yeah. which I know yeah. everyone says it all the time and I'm like yeah yeah whatever it doesn't have that much of effect on me but obviously it does it's only when you actually remove it from mm-hmm. your day-to-day life on like because I'm so I'm, I'm doing like one or two allowed check-ins of yeah. the news usually at the yeah. end of the day just so I can bring myself mm-hmm. up to speed mm-hmm. and I I am finding that I'm still using Twitter but I'm just not using it as aggressively as I was previously and I've done lots of like housekeeping in terms of like getting rid of things but so taking that out of your entire day is just it really is a case of oh the minute you remove it you're like oh yeah actually I hadn't realized the impact yeah. that really was having on me. I guess just it's crazy. It, fil- it filters into your brain doesn't it almost subconsciously and then when you're lying awake at night you're like ah I think I had to I think it was that the first week we went into lockdown and came home and started working from home I had to just delete all of the apps like yeah. I was like cold turkey not on any of it for at least a week because I just thought my brain is gonna I'm gonna have a mental breakdown yeah if I have to keep reading this stuff I need to like totally take myself away and then I've been like almost weaning myself back on yeah me too I've been dipping in and out um so not reading the news what else have you been doing so this other one I actually stole from my friend Danny who's also a journalist I've been waking up an hour early every day and just reading in bed with a cup of tea for an hour Ooh. before I start work and I'm crazy with it that sounds amazing yeah and so you start the day like Oh, I've just been reading and doing something I love. You're in a good mood. Snuggly. Oh, would highly recommend. Yeah, I've been doing my runs. My uh, my ex. We go for a walk or go for a jog in the morning, oh. um, and that's been getting me up. But maybe I'll alternate. Well done for getting up for a run. By the way, I can't do it in the morning. I think I just also really crave being outside. Yeah. Like I think in normal circumstances, there's actually no way I could get myself up in the morning to do that. But I really crave going outside and. <laughs> seeing the wildlife because yeah. we're near the woods around here so we go for a jog through the woods so I'm like craving going to see like what the woodpecker's up to in oh his tree God, Steph that's so um, adorable your little I friend know. I know my mate your only friend no I don't my own literally, <laughs> literally the only other person I've seen other than uh Wesley oh. for uh, weeks on end is a woodpecker do they call that your metamore like your third in your thruple you Wesley and the, the woodpecker yeah and the woodpecker (laughs) (laughs) um what else anything else that you've been doing you've been better the only other thing is I never 
went for walks on my own ever, but now we're allowed to. I've been yeah. doing it. So, but mainly going for a walk and listening to a podcast. Because usually Ooh, if I was lovely. walking, I'd listen to music. But sometimes you just listen to the same old shit you listen to all the time. What's the point? So podcast, yeah. Women's Hour every day. And one called Doing It, which is with the YouTuber Hannah Witten, which I love. Oh, I love Hannah Witten. I'm obsessed with her. I interviewed her the other day and I love her. That's like a mini conversation with someone else. Isn't yeah. It? To a podcast. It's like... It's company. Is there any other, um, well, on the topic of podcasts and things, mm. is there any pop culture that's helped get you through recent weeks? Have you been gravitating towards anything else in particular? In the past few weeks, I've been reading the, um, I never know how to say her name, Elena Ferrante Neapolitan novels. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've read the lo- uh, like the first two this week. And oh, well done. Oh, it's just such lovely escapism. You know, it's Italy, mm. it's friendships. It's a long time ago. It's got nothing relevant now. I love it. Pure escapism. Also, I just ordered, have you heard of Nisha Dolan, this like 27-year-old queer Irish writer? She's got this new novel that's just come out. And I've, well, coming out, I've pre-ordered it. It's called Exciting Times. And it's about a love triangle. And I read about it on ID. And now I I already know it's going to be my new favorite book. I I have not heard of that. Actually, I'll have to look it up. I think you've seen it, Nisha. Yeah, I'm quite bad with Nisha. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe if you say it with an Irish accent, it'll sound better. I'm not going <laughs> to. Amazing. That sounds very good. Has there been anything else, anything you've listened to or watched, or has it been mostly reading? Um, do you think? Well, April had said to me, anything that you like previously, maybe not, would you wouldn't have listened to or watched pre-lockdown? Mm. My answer to that is, four, is three, threefold. Um, <laughs> number one, watched all of Next in Fashion. So did I after your recommendation. I'm so sorry, but isn't it great? Love it. Love it so much. I'm so glad you agree. Did it make you want to be more experimental with the way you dress? Because it made me feel like a bit of a dumpy old broad. Um, so, you know, I went through that period of time where I just kept sending you pictures of what I was wearing yes. every day. I have made, I have, after watching it, I did definitely make more of an effort oh. to actually like use elements of my wardrobe as opposed to just putting on the same t-shirt and joggers for like yeah. three days in a row I think that I, I think I found quite useful mentally is that I have implemented like proper separation between like what I'm wearing during the week and what I'm wearing at the weekend oh that's good yeah in an attempt to like trick my brain into thinking that like I'm at work so I need to sort of wear the things that like maybe I would go to work in yeah, and then yeah. at the weekend I've just been wearing other stuff that I probably would wear at the weekend because I just the way that our house is laid out my our spare room is sort of like study come spare room come like um my dressing room I guess because I've got sort of mm. like open um hangers and stuff and I was just getting really depressed about the fact that I was looking at all these clothes that I'd yeah. sort of spent ages you know buying and curating oh, and right. stuff and it was making me really bummed out so I definitely after watching that I was like no I actually need to get dressed every day so you know guys I haven't I haven't worn trousers in like five <laughs> weeks you know I'm wearing jeans right now and it's like a revelation oh my god jeans at home Oh, mate. I know. Would never normally. Bras? What are they? (laughs) Normally, the minute I get home from work, I'm like, everything off, put my joggers on. And now I'm like, no, I need to actually put my jeans on. And then I get to like the time I will finish work. And I'm like, no, I will put my sweats on now. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely like next in fashion inspired. And that show is great. Well done. Maybe I should be better. I keep looking at clothes in my wardrobe and being like, oh, I'll save that. And then thinking, save it for what? When are you? What do you mean? <laughs> Just wear it now, you dickhead. We'll get out eventually. Like what? There'll be a time eventually. No, yeah. <laughs> Silly. 
My other thing, I say I would never usually have watched this before because it's on, I hate to say it, ITV. Um, <gasps> sorry, is that rude? It's quiz. <gasps> Did you love it? I, I watched it. Two. You and April are basically the same people. I know it well. So full disclosure, Vix and I have this ongoing argument where she will always say to us, have you watched whatever BBC drama or whatever ITV drama? And I'll, I will say, absolutely not. Why would I do that? Can't be bothered. I hate it. <laughs> and then I, there was that weekend that everyone was like, quiz starts tomorrow. We have to watch quiz. And I was like, oh God, I'm not so bothered. Good. And then I looked at the cast I and I saw king of my heart, Matthew McFadden, yeah. aka Tom Ramsgans from Succession, was playing Charles Ingram. And I I was like god okay and the worst part is i had to sign up to get an itv hub account <laughs> so i could watch it but it was a delight oh it's god. like so itv drama we were saying that but it was it's so itv <laughs> none of this sounds appealing to me no it's definitely the same but all the de- all the deception goes deep <laughs> it is isn't it i was did it make you want to watch you wants to be a millionaire yeah, so i'm watching it with my housemate peter and we were like the second we finish this we're watching the original and we can't wait to google like how much of it is true i'm just i'm obsessed um also april is that his real um accent is that uh, matthew McFadden. he is quite posh yeah. love him do you not think though that he just like permanently exudes tom wamsgan's energy yeah, though like because I, I found it really hard yeah completely if anything, it was just like a little fluffer for until succession comes back. Um, and my last thing, I really don't know how you're going to respond to this. Go on. Actually, is a documentary pop culture? Yeah. yeah. All right. I have been watching a documentary about Putin, a four-parter, <laughs> <laughs> a Russian spy story, and it is unbelievable. What channel is this available it's on? on? All four. It was recommended by Ruth and Eric Gilmore and um it's all about how he went from literally nothing to well fucking putin it's incredible will it make me angry oh yeah but it takes your mind off one monster the virus and shifts it to another putin (laughs) just quick anecdote from it this is what a controlling piece of shit he was uh before he was even like famous or anybody um when he met his wife for the first time he got all of his friends to go and try and fuck her as a test are you saying that was when he was like you know in his 20s before anything before he'd got any power so that just proves what a kind of man he is that's proper like kgb like covert by the way is he gonna come and murder us now we've said this maybe you should cut all this out I won't tag him in the... I won't put him in the... <laughs> don't at him. At him. Don't tag him in the photo. We won't put him in the little four square <laughs> photos that we put. <laughs> Just a picture of Putin. Uh, next up is Paisley. <laughs> if we're being honest, then the Russians are probably listening in right now anyway. So oh, yeah, <laughs> That's a lovely trifecta of, like, of things you've been enjoying. I love that. No, I love that. I feel like that really encapsulates like all three sides of your personality. I'm so confused about my identity, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all are. We've been indoors for a long time. It's completely fine. Sounds quite educational. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> so just because we wanted to merge that your work life and also uh, the things that we talk about on this podcast in some sort of oh, like God. delightful merging of, I'm doing a gesture of like merging, but you can't see that okay. this podcast. The way that our voices are merging on this podcast. Oh, nice. Um, so who is your biggest celebrity crush past or present? It can be anything. I'm really annoyed about this question. Okay. That makes me sound like I'm having a go at you. That's not what's no, happening. No, 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 no. no. Only because we kind of, 
I've kind of touched on this earlier when we did the hot or not game, but I've got, I'm going to talk about me for a bit, actually. Go on. Please I've do. got a conspiracy theory about myself mm-hmm. and is that I think I'm on the asexual, I think I'm on the asexuality spectrum because oh, interesting. I don't just look at someone and fancy them ever. So when you asked about celebrity crushes, I had a think and I thought I never just fancy celebrities, but I do fancy their characters because I feel like then I've got to know them. So I've listed yeah. characters that I have. Yeah, fine. Go for okay. it. I think my biggest celebrity crush is Greta Gerwig, but only in 20th century w- women. Ooh. She's next level in that film. The red hair, all of the outfits. She listens to Black Flag. I mean, yeah, she's the dream. So often I think about the scene in that film where they're all having dinner and um, they start talking about menstruation oh. at the table. And I just don't think anything has ever just been so powerful in cinema Beautiful. as that moment. Oh, my God. And actually, what's the what's the um, mother's name? Oh, God, I can't remember. But um, Annette, Annette played by Annette Bennett. Yeah. Yes. Um, Really fancy her in that too, actually. She's got some really good, like, dungaree situations going on. And she's a good girl. Dorothy, isn't it? Oh, Dorothea. Dorothea. Fancy everyone in that film apart from the little boy. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I also had... Have you... You've seen Inappropriate Behaviour, you two? I don't think I have. Oh, no. oh you would love... Desiree yeah. Akavan can never Oh, no, I did. I did watch it. Tom and I watched it all when we were in Hastings on, after your recommendation. Oh, are you thinking yeah. of the bisexual? Oh, I'm thinking of the bisexual. I'm thinking of the bisexual, aren't I? No, I haven't seen that. I would highly recommend. She's a nightmare. Um, she wrote it, but she's in it as well. And then, under quick fire round, Cole Sprouse in Riverdale. Um, <laughs> he's a weirdo. Harry Styles in every SNL sketch and Kristen Stewart in every SNL sketch they've ever done. That's it. Kristen Stewart. I was really hoping you'd bring up Kristen Stewart. Of course I would. We talk about her often on this podcast, if only because both of us like to interrogate a cr- quite a lot how we've done a complete like 180 on her. Tell me, if you will, about that. Well, you know, just like Twilight Bella. Ugh. She didn't... I mean, it was mostly just like press slander, mm-hmm. really, wasn't it? But um... I just found her very like insufferable and she just seemed like hard work but as years have gone on I actually just think that she is just like such a delight and doesn't give a shit yeah and she's an amazing actress I was just gonna say I really respect her and also Robert Comet Pattinson because they were in cringy films and they really managed to like turn their careers around and become really cool and legendary so like that's a big deal that film basically enabled them to do their Mm -hmm. own thing off the back of that film they've been able to pursue the stuff that they've really wanted to pursue. Yeah, and so. I think they all—they often they seem to both talk about those films with like such reverence. Anyway, like they're never negative about them. Like I know that there was an interview recently where Robert Pattinson was asked about it, and he was just like, "Well, I, if I if I had the chance to go back in time, I would still make that decision to do that film yeah. because actually I wouldn't be where I am now without it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's given them a ton of opportunities. Yeah, it kind of I hate to say it, put them on the map. Did you read um, the Robert Pattinson Esquire? interview about the lighthouse did i send that to you yeah you did send it to me yes did i have a copy in my house. just because that oh i just really think that changed my my opinion on him i liked him but that made me respect him <laughs> i feel like they both had a hard time oh, with God. those films because no one really knew them as mm-hmm. people when twilight came out and i i love twilight but i mean it's not like you watched it and thought these two people were probably mm-hmm. excellent mm-hmm human beings outside of this film and it was like that combined with all this weird press Mm -hmm. slagging match about who's cheating on who and all of that stuff going around that I don't think that either of them got a chance to really show how cool and really 
fucking weird they are. I just think without all of it, you wouldn't get the Kristen Stewart that we now currently have, who is just an amazing person. She, she just does, she just does what she doesn't wants. give a shite, does she? Refuses to brush her hair. Oh. Both of them actually have the freedom not to do anything with their <laughs> hair because, I mean, Rob Pattinson clearly doesn't wash or... Do you think Rob Pattinson smells as well like Shia LaBeouf smells? He smells... Doesn't Rob Pattinson knows he smells? He's talked openly about it. Didn't you? Didn't you once see yeah. um, our pats and twigs in East London? We were in. We ate our breakfast on a table oh, next to them in Hackney, and my mum was not cool at all because my mum loves him, and she was being so embarrassing. And then I text my housemates telling them they were there, and they came and visited, and I was like, "Stop it! Everyone's embarrassing me." <laughs> That's a really cool story, though. Oh, were they really cool? Did they talk? Were they? Did oh, they seem God. happy? I wish I what could remember because my mum has a theory about it. My mum has a theory that he was really unhappy in the relationship because they were with her friends and apparently everyone was talking, but our Pats wasn't really getting involved. So she thinks that he was a bit of an outsider. Oh. I think that's the theory. I think he might just be weird. The thing I'd like to point out is that FKA Twigs has, has dated both Robert Pattinson and Shia LaBeouf. Oh. So. She loves smelly men. <laughs> <laughs> that's her type, Steph. She's just got, okay. yeah, she's just got no concept of Twigsy. Yeah, men who watch. I've been there. Yeah. Rob Pattinson does freely admit that he smells <laughs> and that everyone else reports that he smells and absolute stinker. Him. He is a top stinker. We also asked you in advance, I love that this up. It just shows how much prep we did. We're just so professional. Um, what do you think the sexiest film ever is? Well, actually, I don't. It was a typo, and you said, "What is the sexist film ever?" But I used. Oh God! It was so I was like, I, I think they mean sexiest because they are both perverts. The most sexist <laughs> film ever. These are all the films that didn't pass the Bechdel test. Can never say it. Um, I've got a basic answer, a controversial answer, and then an add-on. Okay, good. is that all right? Go on. Yeah. Have you seen on Netflix a film called Below Her Mouth? No. no. That oh. sounds sexy. What is happening below her oh, mouth? Hazel? So much. So, so much. It's the kind of film that would come up in the category on Netflix, lesbian, romantic, something like that. Yeah. Trash. Sure, sure. Um, it's about a female roofer who has a relationship with a straight girl who's engaged. Roofer? Right. Um, so, that, yeah. Ooh. And basically, they have just so much sex. It's porn. It's amazing. One of them's a model. She's not even an actor. I'm watching that this week. I don't know how she got the part. Um, oh. Anyway, I would highly recommend. Have rewatched it, but just fast forwarded all the sex scenes. So I've done two viewings. What was it called? Below Her Mouth? Yeah, baby. Realms of possibility <laughs> with that title. What isn't Below Her Mouth? That's the question. Um, <laughs> her eyebrows. <laughs> Jesus, it's true. Yeah, my controversial answer. What was your controversial one? Solo. <laughs> You know, oh, you know, really? Is this still? Oh. Hey, this is my this is my reason because I don't find sex sexy, but I find flirting really sexy, and I feel like yeah, Lord fine. Glover yeah. as Lando flirting with everyone because he's very clearly pansexual. Yeah. yeah, he's incredibly sexually charged. In he's that film. Like when we when we saw it and we reviewed it, and we didn't particularly think of it very highly he was like the standout thing from yes. it in that like he just exudes yeah. energy like he's got really? such an aura he's got yeah BDA. i'm so glad you agree because i remember saying that to my boyfriend at the time and he was like oh you're just horny for him i was like no no he's got such a vibe it's basically written in the text there it's like casual yeah. he's he's extremely horny thank you for agreeing yeah always um and my add-on kind of follows the same concept which is flirt heavy films and it is thor ragnarok 
<gasps> yes. Oh, one of just my favourite films ever. But oh, do you agree? Me. So much. Yeah. I love that Tessa film so much. Tessa and Chris. Oh, oh, my God. It the is the best film, film, isn't it? It's an absolute... It's so funny. Have you watched Men in Black yeah. with Tessa and Chris? Not, a, I mean, is it? A, it's it's, not a it's film, bad, isn't but it? <laughs> again, I could just, I could just watch them together. They have there. such, just, oh, they have great chemistry. Oh, really, it's just great to fancy them isn't both. It? Really, isn't it? I, just, I, yeah, that was a very important film for me emotionally and sexually. Just saying, I really want to go too. watch I love that, that now. so much. So glad you agree. Thor Ragnarok. That's a really nice thing to end on. Thank you for coming on our podcast, Paisley. We really appreciate it. It's been lovely to chat to you about what you do for a living and also. Uh, people that are really hot <laughs> it's been an honor I feel honored this is desert island discs to me oh thanks <laughs> that means a lot. So um, if people want to find you on the internet in a non-creepy way um, where are they best to locate you nobody wants to locate me but it is on all of the social networking sites uh paisley gilmore <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> wow no one cares so thanks again to Paisley for joining us for our little remote chat that um, we really enjoyed having her on the podcast. And it's something that we pro- think we're probably going to do again in the future, have a couple more people just kind of rock up and join us for a bit of a chat. So look forward to that. So because the podcast is at an end, we've got our obsessions of the week. What are your obsession or obsessions of the week, please? Thanks. Um, thanks. Hi. I think my main obsession probably has to be Eric Northman of True Blood fame. With, I mean, this is something that we're watching every night. Yeah. So I don't know if we've, I think we discussed this briefly last time, but we're watching an episode of True Blood each evening. Yep. So uh, it's been the perfect lockdown distraction. Tonic. And oh my God, I've just, I've forgotten in the few years it's been since I last watched True Blood. Truly, I had forgotten how obsessed I was with Eric Northman. Um, I like that he's your obsession because one of my obsessions of the week is the fact that Alcide has finally arrived. He's finally arrived. Reached season three, which I think is the sweet spot. It is a pretty sweet spot. I mean, although we didn't finish the whole series last time, so who knows what's coming up. I think after this, maybe into season four, I got a little bit into season four, so I kind of know what happens a bit. But um, I think we got to the same point, actually. So we're going to be entering uncharted territory soon. I'm looking forward. True Blood has so many hot people in it. Again, might be COVID goggles. I don't think it is. It's a very attractive cast. It is very attractive. But Eric Northam is definitely tip-top for me as the resident goth who has uh, a lot of crushes on a lot of people playing vampires. He's probably like top tier for me. He's just Swedish gorgeousness. He's amazing. He is what about you? Um, so my obsession of the week is obviously the aforementioned uh, Alcide arriving in True Blood. I, I, woo, woo. I just had forgotten how much I enjoyed Alcide. Um, and in a show that is like 99% absolutely preposterous and batshit. And I spend half of my time texting you going, this show is stupid. But <laughs> like, anytime anything happens, it's like this show is absolutely stupid. But I'm so glad what is going on now? What is this? Why is this happening? Sorry, why? What did Where? he say? What is he wearing? Blah, blah, blah. Yes, yeah, so it's Alcide arriving in True Blood and probably Fiona Apple because that was occupying a lot of our time. Oh, I think that's, yeah, that's a good point. I forget that Obsessions of the Week don't have to be thirsty. No. But yeah, Fiona Apple, very good shout. I think that's occupied our time a lot. A lovely, a lovely pairing of Fiona Apple and, and uh, True Blood content. 
Uh, that's us done. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts by searching for the thirst. Our Instagram handle is at the thirst pod and our blog is the thirstpod.wordpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the thirst pod. Bye. Bye. Bye.